0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, August 5th. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris List. The podcast is brought to you from the folks at Yahoo! DFS. Thank yeah. them for their sponsorship. It's the first time you and I have done a podcast in a really long time, Chris.
2: Yeah, and the talking yang for baseball ended, I don't know when, but sometime in the actually no, it was it was we football, just never really
1: actually. did it. Uh, we you, didn't do you, it you for just baseball. did jumped on a baseball podcast with me one time, but uh that's about it. That's right. Um and I don't even feel like it. I'm not even usually calling it Talking yank because it's just, it's been with different people. But yeah, we are talking different stuff here. Uh, We are going to go meat and potatoes first. I want to talk about the problems with projections. Uh, We talked about this on the NFL podcast. I mean, the NFL show today on Sirius and XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, And I I really want to dive into that topic because I think it's a really good one. So let's do that. Uh, The topic here is, you know, and I think it started off with maybe like a throwaway comment about Lamar Miller. Um, and it was like, you know, we're talking about his workload and who's going to get carries now that Dante Foreman has been released and just, Hey, you know, I think that you, like you were lower than most people on Lamar Miller. And it's not even like a, it wasn't a critique necessarily. It's just like, whenever he gets drafted, I have to scroll down to find him on like our t- various tools. And it's only because the projections have him at a certain place. And in this case, it's not even a problem. I, I think it's actually a feature, not a bug, but, you know, I I think it's worth talking about like when you, what happens when you use a cheat sheet or a projection system for your rankings, you know, what does that incorporate? What does it mean?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I explained on the air a little bit, which is that you have to do projections to do cheat sheets, but there's really no independently useful reason to do projections besides making cheat sheets. Like in other words, there's no reason for a fantasy sports site that's, Uh, ostensibly helping you win your league to do projections for its own sake. It's only to inform the cheat sheets. Now, why do you have to do projections to do? Why can't you just do a cheat sheet? Well, the problem is if there are only one way that people played fantasy football, if there was only one basic setting, then I would not do projections. I would just do a cheat sheet and update it. But unfortunately there's many, many different ways to play fantasy football. There's two QB leagues, QB flex PPR Mm -hmm. three receivers, no flex, there's millions of ways to play with different scoring systems, and there's no way to maintain a hundred different cheat sheets without going crazy. Uh, in you know, every single format, it's just insane to do that, it's impossible. So, what we do is we make projections, and then once you put the numbers in, then the algorithm can convert it to all the different formats because you have their actual numbers, and their actual numbers are going to mean different things in different formats, and it's easy to convert. So, that's why we do it but I think that the cart has come before the horse in a lot of situations where people are really concerned about their projections being good. Oh, this is a perfect 50th percentile projection for this guy. This is, you know, I made sure that the quarterback uh, attempts are the same amount as the targets for receivers. Cause you know, that's, it's gotta be that way. That's, that fits perfectly. And we start to, Make we start to sort of fetishize the projections themselves. Oh, let's enter them into a projections contest. Let's see which side has the best projections, the most accurate. Mm-hmm. Who cares? If I am the lowest on Todd Gurley by three rounds, it doesn't matter whether I'm the lowest on him by three rounds or two rounds. Point is, if you use my cheat sheet, you're not going to get him. If I'm the highest on Nick Chubb by a round, then anyone who uses my cheat sheet is going to get him. It doesn't matter specifically whether I was more or less accurate, whether I overshot or undershot, it just matters who my cheat sheets, if you were to use them, uh, will end up, you know, resulting in what kind of team you're going to have when you use them. Basically, that's all that matters. And so what ends up happening is people forget that though. And they start to take the cheat sheets themselves seriously, but what is a cheat sheet? Uh, it's made out of, I mean, take the projections themselves seriously. And what are the projections? They're just 50th. They're basically 50th percentile outcomes, expected returns for these players. But there's so much that's unrealistic about that. First off at the year end, Jeff, there's no, it's not like everybody gets their 50th percentile return. And the guy who leads the league in touchdowns has 11 and the guy who disappointed has seven or eight, you know, not everybody is right there at their 50th percentile. Like sometimes there's going to be a guy like George Kittle who breaks the all-time record for tight end receiving yards out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be guys like Pat Mahomes last year. And then there's going to be guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford who are in their 20th percentile outcome, and that's just how it is every year. So first of all, the distribution is totally wrong if you use 50th percentile projections, and secondly, the 50th percentile projection for players outside of the top five or seven rounds is actually useless. It's not something you want to draft off of.
1: Right. And and why is that? Well, because
2: basically, the the if you draft off of uh, a projections based cheat sheet you're basically drafting as though the guy you pick you you have his stats for the whole year so if a guy has kind of a high floor because he's the third down back and he's going to catch 40 or 50 passes but has a low ceiling and then he does pretty well in the PPR cheat sheet you know he's he looks draftable in the 8th round he's actually not because he's only draftable because his floor is high he only shows up there because his floor is high And it's as though the guy that you got who has all ceiling and no floor, you know, that guy's lower because if you had to keep him in your lineup all year, which the projections kind of presume, uh, then he would be terrible. You know, if you had to keep some backup running back who has crazy amounts, like Jalen Samuels, for instance, Jalen Samuels could be a top 10 running back if James Conner gets hurt. But if you had to just draft Jalen Samuels and then keep him in your lineup all year, that would be terrible because if Conner doesn't get hurt, then you may be getting like just completely non usable stats. But the beauty of it is a, you can keep Samuels on your bench until something happens and B you can just cut him. If it's not looking likely that something's going to happen. So you're not stuck with the 10th and 20th and 30th and 40th and even 50th and 60th percentile numbers for your 10th and 11th and 12th round picks. You're not stuck with them at all. In fact, you can cut them. So there's an asymmetrical thing where if he pops, if the 10 or 20% comes in and he's a difference maker, it's huge. It, It makes it a big, impact on your standings. But if he doesn't pop, you cut him. You don't have to keep him in your lineup. So it's asymmetrical. So the projections, which are just vanilla 50th percentile projections, don't reflect the asymmetry in, if it works out, you use him. If it doesn't work out, you cut him. And I think that's why, you know, when you're using any kind of cheat sheet, you're always scrolling down at the end of the draft for the sleepers, you know, 80 picks below because the projections based cheat sheet can't possibly put that guy where he needs to be drafted.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you know, the thing is, there would there be like, I, I think there are some counters. Like, say, if you have more spots, then flora is more important later. Um, and you, you can worry about that. And the problem is, too, like, you can't put together Chi Chi with everybody's 90th percentile projection because you want to be picky about who it's going to be. I think that's the other thing. What's the likelihood of a, that 75th percentile coming in? What's the likelihood of that 25th percentile coming in?
2: Well, I mean, it should be the same for everybody, right? It's just that the, what it means is different, right? So Naheem Hines 90th percentile might be like 87 catches for 780 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns and like a hundred carries for 480 yards and three rushing touchdowns. That's what his looks like. And it's, I think definitionally it should be like a bell curve where the 90th percentile is equally likely for everybody. But you know that's really good that season I gave for Hines but the 90th percentile for Daryl Henderson looks better looks yeah. a lot better
1: so Henderson's specific it
2: 190 carries and
1: so that's yeah. that's the difference got a Henderson specific comment uh, uh today on Twitter after our show uh in reaction to like you know me getting girly in Henderson it's possible that Henderson's not the guy if Gurley can't go it's it's possible that Malcolm Brown who's got a you know is better size might be better between the tackles could be actually be a better quote-unquote handcuff for Gurley except I think in that instance you know I I don't think they run this you know the same sort of personnel packages like Gurley is a three down sort of guy whereas I don't know if Brown is I, I I can't speak to his receiving skills as much I would tend to think that say, you know, say in a perfect world, Gurley's on the field 75% of the time, just throwing the number out here. I'm not saying that's exactly what it's going to be. If he's out, it's probably not going to be whoever, you know, whichever of those two is the handcuff is out there 75. It's probably more like a 55-45 situation or even
2: 60-40. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say something else. Like why then if Malcolm Brown, if they like Malcolm Brown, did they go heavy on C.J. Anderson, sign him from Carolina? Yeah. And work him in the playoffs when Gurley was banged up.
1: So I'm trying to remember: was Brown hurt by any chance at that point in time?
2: Uh, I'd have to check. I don't even remember, but I, I will check. But that that is curious, right? Like they actually brought in somebody.
1: Yeah, he was dealing. Yeah, he he had a col- uh, broken
2: collarbone. He was on IR. Oh, he was out. He was on IR. Okay, yeah. that makes okay. that makes a little bit sense. Okay, so we don't know. Yeah. So scratch that. We don't know.
1: Yeah, and you know the thing is too, though. But he averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Now it's just he could be running in runners counts, you know, well, too. it
2: was 43 carries the year before he had 3.9 and 63 carries. Yeah. yeah.
1: Both. So I don't want to get tiny get samples. Excited. Excited. And, you yeah. know, you don't know the game flow situations and all that. It's very, you know, it wasn't like he was being counted on to be the feature back in any of these situations.
2: Yeah. I mean, they also, they, they paid Malcolm Brown. So maybe they, they see something and maybe they wouldn't have signed CJ Anderson if he were healthy. But, uh, Daryl Henderson is a third round pick, right? And I think they trade up to get him anyway. Um, I think that the, the interesting about him is that, uh, you know, you take a third round pick for a team that is a probably sabermetrically kind of advanced and B just lost the super bowl and has its core back and intends to win now. I mean, Aaron Donald, Jared Goff Mm -hmm. really extensively, you know, the receivers cooks and, and Woods and Cup should be back. Like, I mean, they've got, you know, the offensive line. I mean, they've got basically their core back. The Rams are expecting to contend for a Super Bowl this year, next year. You don't take a running back in the third round unless you intend to use them. You might take a seventh round running back as a flyer, mm-hmm. but a third round running back for a team that's contending now that kind of knows, although they did pay Gurley, but Gurley's panned out. I'm, I'm not like of the running backs don't matter um, religion. I don't believe in that. Faith. Right. Um, so I, it doesn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that Belichick took Sony Michelle in the first round last year or that the Rams, you know, took Henderson to the third, but you don't take a third round running back on a contending team unless he's gonna, you're going to use him.
1: That's what I think too. Uh, uh, that, 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 that was my, my point too. So pretty happy about, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about, uh, getting Henderson when I did, uh, the beat Jeff Erickson, which was seven 11. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good price, especially being the girly owner. It is funny. I had no desire to uh, get girly about a week ago, but the reports on him have been a lot better, and plus my alternatives ha- have gotten worse. Like Damian Williams, really kind of concerned about uh, what's going on with him, with that hamstring, with the way Andy Reid's talking. It's enough kernel of a doubt that I don't. I, I-, I have to pass him up, especially if, you know, if you're going to take a, any sort of risk on, and or at least known risk, you might as well take the risk with the guy at the highest upside.
2: Yeah, I did my uh, opportunity and health-neutral rankings, and Gurley's way up there. In of both. course. Uh, you know, I mean, he was the number one fantasy running back from the start of 2017 through three-quarters of last year, by far. There wasn't really a rival. You know, it was Gurley was the number one guy. And then he got hurt, and that was that. Uh, and he's ostensibly healthy ish. Now, I just think that the problem with Gurley is we're never really going to know until he plays in real games and gets big workloads. We're never right. going to know for sure. And even after two or three weeks, if he looks fine, we're never going to know if in week four, it starts getting sore again, the knee. So I just think like, you're, you're just going to be touch and go all year with him. You know, whereas Gordon, well, Belvin Gordon, I have him one spot behind Gurley now it's one of those things where you, you just don't want the levy on bell situation. like just sign and cave or just declare yourself out and quit. but don't don't linger around for nine
1: weeks before I can cut you. Right. And, and to get people caught up to speed if they're not reading the site right now. I mean his agent has asked for a trade. That might be posturing, but the fact is it's out there. There's some talk that he'll sit out half the season. The Chargers have a history of guys holding out Joey Bosa on his rookie contract. When you know the amount's pretty much set, it's just a matter of apportioning how much goes to the signing bonus and for how long and all that. You know, it to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of crazy. Um, I, I would think that, uh, you, know, it, you know, you're kind of worried about that. I, I would definitely be worried about that with the Chargers. They have this history of being cheap. Um so yeah, I'm I'm definitely a little bit worried about him. And he dropped a three six in my draft on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, it's you know, I that's a good place to take him because third round picks bust all the time and if and if he does sign, you're just extremely right. happy with that pick in the third round. I think it's a good gamble. But uh yeah, I have him a little bit below Gurley. Yeah. Uh
1: I, I, I have you know, I I mentally I have him how about Zeke? How are you about Zeke?
2: I have him at four right now just because the, the holdout risk, I kind of think the Cowboys are, would be much more likely to cave than the chargers would because they, they do need Zeke. Yes. You know, it's, it's not just oh, running backs don't matter. I, I don't think that's the case. I think in the Cowboys situation where they're built around Elliot, the offense is built around Elliot. Right. And the defense is improving. And it's this kind of a team that you have a mobile quarterback that can make that play, extend the drive. You've got a really good running back who can catch passes now And, but you're sort of a defense and running team. I think losing a guy like Elliot is, would be big. And he's only in his what, fourth year. He's mixed six games for due to a suspension. So he's pretty fresh. Unlike Gordon, he's never been injured. I mean, I think that's a big thing is Gordon's been hurt a lot. Right. And Gordon has way more wear and tear on him than Elliot does. So I, I think Dallas is going to bite the bullet probably. So I have him for, um, I, I like David Johnson, but, I like Lev Bell, but I like Mixon and Chubb, but I I can't take them over Elliott.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I I, I get that. Uh, I just knew when I was drafting two that – wasn't an issue. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. What if Elliott signs tomorrow? Where does he go? Two. Number two. Yeah. It's him and Barkley.
2: They're in a class by themselves. I mean, I just look at my projections, right? Like I give Barkley 81 receptions. I give Camara 77. I give McCaffrey 87 and I give Elliott 66, but the 66 is only because there's holdout risk. As soon as he signs, his projections go up to 73 or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the difference in the top four back, they're all getting 70 plus catches. So it's not like, you know, it's not like Elliot and Barkley are well below Camara and McCaffrey for catches. And the, but, they're well above them for carries.
1: Yeah. Although McCaffrey caught 107 last year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I gave him 87 this year. 87 will yeah. still be incredibly high for a running back.
1: They've already said how they want to give him fewer snaps this year. He was on the field for 91% of their snaps last year.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. But they crazy. said fewer snaps, same amount of work. They just don't want him to be like blocking, you know, wearing himself down, blocking. I think I don't think they're intending to give him less, fewer touches, just fewer snaps.
1: Yeah. Which is ideal, actually. You know, you want them to get the same amount of workload. I, I always think, though, that always is going to translate because if you want to have a legitimate, like, deception edge, you got to not give out right. the ball every once in a while.
2: That's right. You've got to have him on the field and not give him the ball. Otherwise, they're going to key on him every time he's on the field. Right.
1: And blow him up. All right. Uh, before we move on, a uh, quick note from our title sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. It's officially August, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in on the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about time, the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough starter set decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football: the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season you can draft up to 50 best ball teams play for free or play for cash but most importantly get to drafting with yahoo fantasy best ball join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball uh, chris you were talking about doing the uh health and opportunity neutral rankings and I, I like doing that, too. I, I did a little bit of that with uh, pitching this year, um, and you know I've done it with hitting before in the past, too. What did you unearth while doing that? Uh, were there players that you became higher or lower on when you were doing that process?
2: Not really. I, I already kind of knew who those guys were, but I just you know had to write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's just what you, you realize, which is what you know, is that the running quarterbacks have a ceiling that the other ones don't. And especially ones like Kyler Murray, who could also have a lot of passing attempts. Like usually in case of like Lamar Jackson, you're going to give up passing attempts for rushing attempts. But, you know, in rare cases, there's guys that you're going to, um, you're going to get both. And so that, you know, that's, those are the guys that kind of shoot up to the top. And then, you know, with the running backs, it's always, um, the, the guys who catch passes, that get moved up. I, I didn't use like the Tariq Cohen's. Like I couldn't give them the opportunity neutral rankings. What that is, is if everybody got the same number of carries. How would they rank? Uh, and I didn't like use James White or Tariq Cohen. Cause they're never going to get 250 carries, but I used every back that could get 250 carries. And what would they, you know, what would the list look like? And, you know, guys like Devonta Freeman, who I'm nervous about for injury reasons, obviously, uh, Kenyon Drake, uh, moves mm-hmm. up if he gets 250 carries, uh Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook. You know, these guys become really valuable because they're you know they're suddenly um getting the the groundwork to go along with their pass catching.
1: That's true. And, and you know, you like seeing that. Um you like and and it it's really kinda of useful for those, you know, the guys that we were talking about, like a Malcolm Brown type. What if you were to get that that workload? And you can see maybe he would he would that carry over? And that's the tricky part though is what happens when these guys are on their tenth, eleventh, twelfth carry? Are they still going to have as much in the tank? Especially if they're doing the, if they're doing a lot of their running at the beginning of the game when the defenders are fresh. You know, that's the thing that's dangerous sometimes. Is you look at yards per carry, you look at yards per reception or yards per target. You know, what are the circumstances that they're gaining those yards? Yeah,
2: I, that's why I didn't put a lot of rookies there. I did put Dave Montgomery if he got 250 carries, pretty high, 19th. But I didn't put a lot of rookies there uh, because yeah, you don't really know if they can handle it or how well they'll do with it. So I didn't, you know, I took away like this, the pure pass catching backs cause they won't get it. And then the rookies, I was made it a higher bar for them to get it because, um, they could have it obviously, but it's not going to be, I actually have Daryl Henderson at 16 if he got 250 carries, but right. You know, but you don't know whether that's even a, a possibility.
1: Dude average nine yards a carry at Memphis. kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, obviously the competition level slightly different. So, uh, but it, yeah, you can see the explosive upside, though.
2: I think if a guy averages nine yards anywhere, it's kind of like a guy hitting, you know, 400 at AAA for like a whole season. C- You're sort of like, uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter that it was a minor league level. He's hitting 400. He's a major league hitter. Yeah. You know, it's like Daryl Henderson – no matter what the competition level is, you're getting nine yards of carry on a a high volume of carries. I I think that bodes very well for him in the NFL.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, on the flip side, you know, you've always kind of been on this already to begin with. Uh, but doing that exercise does, does illustrate the downside to the, 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 floor guys, if you will, the guys that are already getting, you know, that get their value because of their workload uh you've always been down on those guys a guy like lamar miller comes into mind to begin with there but you know who is there anybody else like that that dropped quite a bit because you're like all of a sudden he doesn't have that advantage
2: yeah i mean you know Devonte adams drops a little bit he, he's you know number nine instead of number three or four for me um you know odell beckham tyree Hill shoot up to the top uh but some other guys drop michael thomas drops to Mm Twelfth, He catches a really high percentage of the balls thrown his way. So that's always going to be good. He's very efficient in terms of catch rate, the most efficient of all time. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys drop that are just kind of volume guys. Like Adam Thielen drops a good amount. Adam Thielen's 16th in a opportunity neutral context. Then I also did floor only rankings, you know? So I just did like, if you only cared about floor and this only matters for like the first few rounds, this is what I was talking about with the projections. Like, almost for the first three rounds, you don't want 50th percentile. You want 30th percentile who does the best when everyone does badly. And if you were to give every first rounder a below average season, which one would you most want to have? Yeah. I have like Zeke Elliott. Number one. I just think like his below average season, although this is before the holdout would be really strong. Barkley too, McCaffrey Camara, but then like Chubb is really high in the floor rankings. I think that like, he's just on a good team. It's his job, at least for eight weeks and probably the whole season. Um, Mixon, I think, has a high floor. I mean, a healthy floor, basically. Le'Veon Bell has a good floor. Um, you know, the guys got moved up a little bit, like Fournette. Um, Fournette's about the same. Marlon Mack got moved up. Some Derek Henry before the foot injury. <laughs> this was yeah. all done before a lot of news broke. But, you know, and just like floor for quarterbacks. Like this Andrew Luck before his calf injury lingered. He was third. But Mayfield is number two. On floor, really, because yeah, he's my number two q b on floor, I just think his floor is really high, his ceiling might not be as high because i mean you might get forty two touchdowns, but like he's not gonna run for anything, you know, so that that's like that takes away a little bit, and it's it's really hard to project like a fifty touchdown season from a non you know from Someone who's never come close, but he had like 29 touchdowns, something like that last year, despite not starting a few games, despite right. playing with a terrible offense coordinator for a few games, despite having no receivers at all. Then you add Beckham to the mix, and you start him from week one, and, and you give him another year of familiarity, and then get him Todd Munkin, who's like a much more aggressive offensive coordinator. It's going to be, it, to me, Mayfield is just like, after Pat Mahomes, Mayfield's got the highest floor.
1: Yeah. Speaking of no, no receivers, um, it's, it's funny. I've seen conflicting reports on Antonio Callaway. Uh, this, remember, this is a guy who was, oh, breakout guy in training camp, you know, hard knocks and all that. Then he got his arrest. Then he kind of had a good game and then he kind of disappeared. Uh, and then again, uh, you know, he, I saw a report just today saying that he's somewhat out of shape. Uh, and that they'd like to see more consistency out of him. And he maybe not be repping with the first team even when Beckham's not playing.
2: Yeah, um, doesn't look great for him. I drafted him in the B-Chrysalis, obviously, at a droppable slot. Sure. But um, we'll see. He's the second-year guy. I mean, usually you want second-year receivers in good offenses on your team. That's true. Now, Landry and Beckham are there. But Landry's kind of a slot guy. Beckham gets hurt a lot. And Joku hasn't really stepped up or emerged yet as like a dominant tight end. There's room for somebody else if they, if they're there, you know, if they play well. And Callaway is the guy with the talent. I think he, didn't he slip in the draft for character concerns? He He did. Got picked in the fourth.
1: Yeah. He's had multiple things. Some of them pretty bad. Not just like DUI or anything, which is bad enough, but smoking weed. Right. Like sexual assault accusations and things like that, you know? So yeah, character is, is a concern with him. That's, that's a mild way of saying it for sure. But
2: character is a good thing sometimes because, you know, the character concern can derail your career obviously. But if, but if you get it together, it's actually goes the opposite way. He's a fourth round pick, but maybe he's a second round pick or a first round pick mm-hmm. in the NFL if he were a model citizen. So you may be dealing with like a second or first round talent here And he's got the QB to throw to him. I don't know what. um, Well, they just said he had his best day of training camp on Thursday. Then we heard some other stuff saying, he's out of shape. I mean, you know, I don't know. We'll see. It's late enough that I would probably still take the gamble on him over Higgins or some of the other guys there, because I think he's Oh, I would too. that's that second year breakout, you know, second or first round talent. That's the guy I want to gamble on.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and yeah, the Higgins. I mean, whatever. There's, you know, not much. I I think the, the the greater question is like again, against I guess against some of his peers on other teams, who would you take? I mean, it, does that drop them down at all? I mean, you're talking about lottery ticket guys, anyhow. You're talking about wide receiver five, wide receiver six on your own team.
2: Yeah, that's right. It know, just you know. there's different reasons to have lottery tickets on different teams. I have them pretty low. I have them now. I moved them down to sixty nine. You know, behind Terry McLaurin, ahead of me, Cole Hardman, but in a
1: week, I can
2: totally mix those guys up again.
1: Sure, I like a guy like Miles Boykin in Baltimore. I've heard good things uh, about him so far. I mean, you know, Baltimore is kind of you know weird. Like you and I both like Lamar Jackson, but we we've spent very little time talking about the Baltimore wide receivers. You know, Willie Snead is available everywhere right now, and he's actually technically number one on the Ravens depth chart at wide receiver. Marquise Brown obviously has some cachet as an early draft pick, uh, first-round draft pick for that matter. First receiver taken in the class. Yeah, although at number 25, that's not very early. Well, that's – DJ Moore was the first receiver last year, 24, 25. Yeah. Usually you get like a guy in the top 10, top – you know, and that – you know, a couple years ago you had three in the top 10 – of course, those guys haven't all, com- you know, haven't all completely lived up to it. It's Corey Davis, Mike Williams, I think guys that were kind of high on, and then John Ross, who's done nothing.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's an idiotic team to take them in the first. Of course, to take John
1: Ross in the first ten picks. Of course, well, especially with that coach, and that wouldn't play him after that too, because can't have a mistake. Right. Well, especially with the fan base, it's, it's really yeah. dumb. Yeah, you might lose the fan base. Might not. <laughs> Yeah, You might lose them if if they make another mistake. Can't take any chances, except for they took chances. Very fickle. You have yeah. people threatening to
2: uh, abandon the team. Yeah. Both of us. No, I didn't abandon. Even though they did trade OBJ, I didn't abandon the Giants, just because right. of Barkley.
1: No, I said both of us, as in both Bengals fans uh, both still left.
2: Fans.
1: Not me and you. Just,
2: but I was going to abandon my team, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you've you've threatened that a couple of times, actually. I threatened I threatened to leave all the time. Yeah, guess after a while that threat doesn't have any teeth in it. Uh, we'll see. Some you know, one day they'll they'll push me too far. Right, that's true. Uh, before we move on from such witty banter, let's get you another read from the folks at Fantasy Draft. FantasyDraft dot com would like to bring you an important message about rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to pay, play daily fantasy? Did you know that over time these fees, called rake, can cost daily fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As daily fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lying in the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution use promo code RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. So, each of us have done a uh, uh, one Rotowire online championship draft already. A beat Chrysalis, a beat Jeff Erickson. I think we'll each probably do one more. Uh, first of all, I love the format. I like this I love this particular contest. I love the community that we do it with and I you know, I love that people want to sign up and play against us too. I think it's uh it's uh, you know, it's a, it speaks to the contest, speaks to the fact that we got a good loyal base of listeners either here or on XM and readers. Uh, it, we've met some great people over the years. But one of the things about this contest, Chris, is like being on the end and dealing with third-round reversal. You got the number one overall pick. Yay, that's great. And that also means that third-round pick is kind of a little scary because, you know, I think that drop-off is right around anywhere between 34 to 38 in terms of, like, the tiers of talent.
2: Well, I picked 36 and 37, and I felt like it all came back to me. I felt thought the drop off was, I think, it was perfect to pick first because
1: yeah, it worked out for me too. That's at two, I but felt. But go ahead. It didn't, it didn't work out quite as well for
2: you, but uh, <laughs> it basically uh, I got, I'm, I got in round two. I, I got Nick Chubb, who some people are taking in the end of round one, so I didn't get any drop off from being last in the second round, and then last in the third round, I got Fournette, who I hate. But blame Jim Coventry if uh, he gets value. Hurt. You got value, Chris. But Your favorite thing. A, I mean, you know, you never get a guy projected for two fifty and fifty. You know, it's sort of a just a baseline in in that round, and so that's really good. And then I got Kittle with the first pick of the fourth round, so I felt like I got two second, third round picks. At the three four
1: you got and two guys four, that weren 't available to me at uh at three right. eleven and four two that 's for sure uh that's who right. went ahead i mean where it was, I, you did it like over a week before I did it I wonder are there were there any injuries Guys that got pushed down like Derek Henry, I assume he got put you know he was taken ahead not Henry went after those two guys. I think he went in the four i mean it's full p p r so henry's you know he's a volume guy, but he's it's not catching any passes, yeah, 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 I'm just trying to think of. You know, I can pull it up right now. Yeah. You should. You should Looking pull it great. up. And we can figure so. out who messed up. And I mean there was one wild pick in my draft, and that was Pat Mahomes at one point seven. Yeah, you, but I think the guy made a good justification. It was weird that he went Mahomes Kelsey. He should have gone Kelsey Mahomes. No, the, the guy that you were talking that that responded to us was uh, the guy in round eleven that doubled up on I mean pick eleven that doubled up on QBs at like round seven and eight or eight and nine. Oh.
2: But there's a guy but there was a guy that that went uh Mahomes, Kelsey, and it, it would be much more normal to go Kelsey Mahomes. He took a big yeah. risk. If he wanted to stack chiefs that it's fine. Cause he got them both. And he got Melvin Gordon in the third. I thought that was actually pretty good to get a, it could
1: really work one. out
2: if if Gordon signs and he's got the two chiefs, that's pretty massive. You know, that, that's a, that, that team could be good. So the guys that were gone, that got taken that seem a little early. Why I got my guys were, were, um, so, you know, when that's surprising. I mean, someone to carry on Johnson, but now I would move him up now that Riddick's gone. But he wasn't gone at that point. Um, nobody really. A.J. Green is the only reach. And that was. Uh,
1: yeah, that, four- that's huge, though. He went at yeah, 610 in pick. my draft. Yeah,
2: that's one pick, you know. So Green went and then I got Fournette and Kittle. But I mean, that's only one guy. If he decides to take someone other than Fournette and Kittle instead of Green, he took Edelman on the way back. So that's who he would have taken if if he didn't want Fournette or Kittle. I still, you know, I still would have got one of those two. And that was the guy I picked right before me.
1: Yeah, well, that's always nice when the guy right next to you is uh, the guy that's changing things a little bit. I, I, I always, it's, it's a huge advantage actually if if the guy is bad and he's taking aberrant picks. You know, you well, don't no, know. He, it might not I mean, necessarily be that bad. Was Green's ADP that was actually below Green's ADP at the
2: time. And somebody asked me, was I disappointed not to get Green this before the injury? And I was like, eh, he gets hurt so much. I mean, yeah. you, know, just, <laughs> you never. I've had Green a lot. You know, initially in the first round, then in the second round. And then I just
1: he always gets hurt. So I wasn't really looking to get him. There you go. So, yeah. And there, you know, I I really thought (laughs) I thought that T.Y. Hilton in my draft, T.Y. Hilton and carry Johnson slipped. I, in my opinion, a little bit. Now, keep in mind, theoretic hadn't been cut earlier, probably in your draft where he had been in mine on Johnson went one pick before me. I was really ready to go with them. T. Y. Hilton was another guy I really wanted to get, and he was he went two picks before me. Kittle went three picks before me. So those are the guys I kind of was looking at there that you ha- kind of maybe had a bite of the apple that I I you know had a chance and you know that created that. But I oh, don't have I don't have a chance for any of those guys. Okay, okay, guys you didn't, except for Kittle who you got. Kittle you, I got, you yeah. even passed on him once and still got him, which is oh well, no you didn't. You got back to back. Oh. Never mind. I was thinking yeah. of my my thing. Yeah. Um, I like drafting too, though. I was very happy. I was very happy with that spot. Uh, You you do have, I I still like, and honestly, looking at like my grid, like the beginning of the third, I mean, talent wise, I like a lot of these guys, but there's definitely some risk with them, too. Like, for instance, Damian Williams is a guy I was really high on earlier, but eh, I don't know. Fournette went 3 2. We've talked about him a little bit in the past. Cooper, Amari Cooper, someone that I've seen drop in some leagues. He went three three in this draft, uh, and, and then of course Gordon is, is, is a risk, but I think at three six, it's definitely a risk worth taking. Yeah, I think all those gambles are
2: worth taking at that point. I would have taken Mahomes at the last pick of the second if if the Mahomes owner had taken Chubb.
1: By the way, I wrote that down on my little list. It was like yeah. if if the guy if I didn't get any of the guys I wanted. I had Mahomes there. He's the only guy I had listed there as someone I would have been willing to take, uh, quarterback wise, and in the first five, five or six rounds for that matter. Uh, I
2: think it really makes a difference in this format where it devalues the running quarterbacks, so that like they're not getting all those. You, know, you get six point throwing touchdowns for a guy who just threw fifty last year, mm-hmm. and then the guy's just so good. I mean, to me, you know, he's just the most naturally talented quarterback in the history of the NFL, and. Everyone's like, oh, it's he'll regress. Like, yeah, it might regress a little bit, but Andy Reid's offense, Tyree Kill and Kelsey completely healthy and back. Well he's actually a little dinged up, nothing serious. Um Sammy Watkins, who is ostensibly healthy now, that was a one-time star receiver. That's their number three target. It's just a ridiculous offense. And then they draft Micole Hardman, who's a four-three-one guy, who's you know, just a freak, another sp- a speed guy. It's just uh I, I, would be shocked if he didn't throw 40, you know, the over under in Vegas is like 35 and a half 36, which seems to me insanely low. Uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't throw 40. And I think there's like a 30% chance he's 45 plus again. And if he does that, then if you take him the last pick of the second round, it's fine. I mean, you can mix and match as you did late with Jackson and Brady, but you know, if those aren't the right two guys, or you time it wrong. You may end up with 29 or 30 touchdowns on the year. With your quarterback, you're know, mixing and matching, mm-hmm. and it's be a big difference if Mahomes has 15 more than that. It For makes sure. it bigger, a big, with six point passing touchdown. So I normally, you know, it was wait on quarterback, wait on quarterback. I think Mahomes is a late second, early third pick in this format.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a thirty it's a thirty point difference over the course of the year, uh, as opposed to a four point passing touchdown league, uh, obviously. Um, oh, but well, it's. 90 point difference overall I mean it's 15 more touchdowns so 90 yeah
2: points just for the touchdowns and then there's the right. yardage and he yep. runs he also right. gets rushing yards he doesn't get as many as you know dedicated rushing quarterback but he gets you know a couple hundred yards and a couple of rushing
1: touchdowns too for sure a couple hundred more than Phillip Rivers that's for sure yeah. uh, you know but this is a weird I mean it I think you and I know you want to talk about it on XM tomorrow but how easy it is to wait on quarterbacks this year I got quarterbacks 20 and 21 and I'm pretty happy with with what I got uh, you know, Garoppolo went two picks before me. Dak went a pick before that Philip rivers in the same round. All guys I'd be perfectly happy with as my first quarterback. Yeah. People are like getting angry that I have breeze as the 23rd
2: quarterback, but not only am I down on breeze, but 23rd isn't that bad. You mm-hmm. know, It's like there's 23 competent quarterbacks right now. I've Darnold at 24 and I can see him taking a step up. Yeah. So, you know, when Stafford's 25 and Dalton's 26, it's like, well, yeah, 23 is not that bad. 23 is still a 38 77 and 28 touchdown season. You know, it's not like it's, you know, it's a 7.7 YPA for breeze doesn't run at all. It's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's not that it's not that low. It would be like 14th or 15th three years ago. It's just, you know, that's what it, that's what it gets you when everybody's, there's so many running quarterbacks now. There's so many, you know, just, there's such a high completion percentage that the efficiency hasn't really gone down very much, even though the right. average that the target has gone down. It's, um, and then, you know, it's also that thing about projections and wanting upside, like give me Josh Allen over breeze. If I had to bet who's going to do better and you're saying, you know, who's going to have a better year, Josh Allen or drew breeze, I would definitely take breeze. If we're just one-on-one deciding who's, you know, who you, who would you bet on to have the better stats season's end? But if you're putting me in a 1 QB 12 team fantasy league, give me Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen could be a total game changer with the running ability.
1: And Breeze, we kind of what you see is what you get. Yeah, I and you know, that's one I, I like how you stuck to your guns on this one, especially because this is one where like with Brady, everybody's got is waiting on Brady now. He he's yep. available everywhere. Everyone's kind of on the same page. It's like, "Oh yeah, he's he's not a Standard fantasy starter right now. It's kind of a little bit. You're definitely not falling in a group think with Breeze. He's usually like the eighth or ninth quarterback drafted. Still, I just don't get it. I just do not get it. I mean, I think
2: he's becoming more and more of a game manager. He he is all dink and dunk. His av- average depth of target. There's only three QBs last year who were regulars who had a lower average depth of target. It was Bortles. It was Cam Newton with his bad shoulder. And one other guy that was nobody special Mm -hmm. had a lower average depth of target than Breeze did last year. He's a game manager. He throws 500 passes a year now, 500, you know, he had 400 something, but he missed a game. He throws 500 passes a year. He hands it off a lot. They're a run heavy team. The saints were the fifth most run heavy team, despite Breeze not running at all. So that's like really run heavy. Mm -hmm. And they were like the 23rd most passing attempts or something like that. They're a run heavy team that has a game manager as a quarterback, a 40 year old who throws short passes accurately and gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He doesn't throw deep. He doesn't run and he wasn't very efficient in his last five games. Maybe that's just a blip. Maybe he had a minor injury, but he's 40. You know what I mean? It's, he's getting old. And I just think it's insane to take him over Garoppolo cousins, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, James James Winston now in a two QB league it's not insane I could see no, because floor guys
1: matters players. a lot more than
2: because floor matters right and Breeze has a high floor and so like Dory was trying to bet me oh I'll bet you he finishes a twenty second or higher I'm like that's a stupid bet because yeah you, know, you, you get no I'm upside like, in that bet
1: yeah right
2: I'm like how about you know what his ADP is like ten or something why don't we, well, you don't agree that people should draft him it doesn't matter whether I have him twenty three or sixteen right you're not going to draft him if you use my cheat sheet you're not going to get him. So let's just see if he, if he makes ADP or not. Oh no, he doesn't want to do that. He says, how about 16th? I said, no, because he's, he's not 23rd because he can't beat 16. He's 23rd because he can't beat 10. And I want my guy in the top 20 to be able to beat 10, to get in the top 10 or top five. I want there to be a chance. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Garoppolo, if he has an insane year, Winston, who runs a little bit and, you know, was going to throw a lot. Roethlisberger, Trubisky, Kyler Murray, all these guys, have a chance to be in the top seven if things break their way. I don't think breeze does this year. I just don't, I just, unless they were to go back to throwing 600 times, why would they, this team, the last two years made it basically as far as you can make it and just got knocked out on fluke stuff. They're not going back. He's a game manager. He's just a more efficient game manager than Peyton Manning was when the Broncos won the super
1: bowl. There was a stretch in the middle of the season where the saints had a number of injuries on defense, and then, by definition, the Saints have, or but by game flow, they were forced to to go ahead and throw the ball more often because they were behind. You know, there was some couple shootout games. The Rams game was one of those shootout games, but they're so much better. They have this formula now, and they're winning more because they're running the ball and they're playing better defense. Uh, it, it's Brees, really... in the
2: first three weeks of the year, where the Saints defense fell apart, and they you know they had that shootout with Tampa Bay that they lost. Yep, people had a survivor. Brees had 45 35 and 49 attempts those first 3 games. After that and he had 3 2 and 3 touchdown passes. But he had a lot of yards. He had 439, 243 and 396. Mm-hmm. After that he never attempted 40 he attempted 40 passes in the loss to the Rams. That was it in the playoffs. But, but until then he never had a 40 attempt game. You know, I mean that's And and he had, you know, he had a lot in the twenties—twenty-three attempts, twenty-five attempts, twenty-two attempts. Mm -hmm. So it's—they're just not the same offense. They used to be the most prolific passing offense in football. And last year he had four hundred and eighty-nine attempts in fifteen games—very, very very low.
1: Yeah, it's just a different team now. Hey, before we uh, move on to taking questions, and we have a bunch of them on Twitter, so we're going to hit those up in a second. Got a little note from our friends at AutoNew. AutoNew Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's a better fantasy football format. Auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next Rookie of the Year while he is still tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the Internet. Visit OTTONEU.com. That's AutoNew.com today. All right, Chris. Uh, I've asked people for the same questions, especially to make it as personal as possible for you. Uh, really want to, you know, make sure that, you know, they dig into the psyche of Chris Liss. It's let's go there. It's kind of scary. Uh, but no, um, a couple of things, you know, a couple of questions, one, a general good question here. Len Hochberg, who is our golf writer, he's going to be playing in the road stake league, took over a team last year, did a good job with it. Actually very active because I have an auction coming up and I have no idea what I'm doing. Although we our golf league is auctioned, so he does have some idea. But maybe not for football. Virtually everything I see relates to a regular draft or a snake draft. What sort of auction chips would you have for a newbie doing fantasy football auctions?
2: Um, never bid against me. <laughs> Let me have Saquon Barkley. Uh, no, I, you know, I think he, well, he's a Giants fan, too, so he'll be in on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think. You'll not out again. I'm sure you you, you'll, you won't get them. You'll, you'll like, Oh, no, I, I just, I
2: made a strategic error last year, but, um, I got Fournette instead and I had girly and barely I bought stakes, but I didn't have to double back Cause Josh Ross is such a scrub. He somehow lost to me anyway. Right. But I, I like to buy, go big stars and scrubs. I like to get a couple of first round picks. You know, I like to spend on a, you know, 60% of my budget on two or three players. And then once I have them, just kind of save money and get the fill out everything on the cheap, you know, get bargains later. You basically choose the guys you're aggressive on the two or three guys you want to spend up for, and then let the market choose for you the way you fill out your team. Yeah. That's kind of, how I like to do auctions, choose big and let the small stuff. I mean, obviously you're going to have some preferences within the cheaper players, mm-hmm. but don't, once you've gotten your core, don't be stupid and and, and be too attached to your preferences for the rest of the guys. Let them come to
1: you, right? And don't go out of your way to price enforce on some of those guys if you don't.
2: I, c- yeah, I, I always do, and I get caught. But I just, I just don't have respect for people who don't price enforce.
1: Well, um, th- then make sure you know what your limit is when you price enforce.
2: Yeah, be careful. You can really destroy your whole end game if you price enforce on the wrong right. guy.
1: And especially if you're new to football auctions and you're not quite sure. Or if you're uncertain about the player pool, then let someone else price enforce. And
2: price enforce means to just simply bid because the player's too cheap,
1: right. not because you want him. And it's but if fun. you don't know what, what the price is, then you shouldn't be enforcing. Well, I think most people
2: know based on they convert draft to auctions. So they're like, okay, mm-hmm. these third rounders are going for an average of thirty two bucks each, and here's a third rounder who's up at twenty seven and it's going twice. I'll go twenty eight so you're just enforcing the price. You don't want the guy at 28 necessarily, especially given your budget or your, who you have on your roster. You may have two running backs already. You're like, I'm going 20. I'm not like getting so-and-so who's a good player at 27. I'm not letting him get that bargain. And then if everyone says his crickets, then you get stuck with the $28 guy and yeah, it's a good value, but it's not someone you want and it doesn't fit to your roster and it just cripples your budget.
1: So be careful. Yeah. So there you go. There's a couple of tips. Um, I You know, strategy-wise, in a 14-team league, I like to have a little bit of balance. I'm not as as heavy stars and scrubs as I might be in a 10 or a 12, especially in a 10-team league, but in a, even in a 12, I might take a few chances on filling spots with super cheap guys in the end. I'm talking starting spots. I don't really care about I mean, I do care about the bench, but I don't care about what, what I'm spending on the bench. However, um, in a 14-teamer, I might be a little bit more inclined to make sure I'm not starting any sort of scrub to begin the season.
2: Yeah. But football is so fine line between having the job and losing the job that I hate getting those mid-level guys who could easily lose their jobs. And then they end up losing their job. You're like, I spent 20 for this guy because they want to take a chance on the $1 guys. And that $20 guy loses his job all the time. That's what always, that's why I like to go stars and scrubs in football, especially football, because it's like you want to get Barkley and Elliot and, you know, Antonio Brown, if he's healthy and Becca, you, know, you want to get the guys that just cannot lose their jobs. I hate getting those guys. Like you spend 20 on like, well, I guess there's some safe 20, you know, like Robert Woods or Tyler Boyd are pretty safe, yeah. pretty safe picks. But, you know, th- there's sometimes you get a guy that you think is safe for a little extra and he's not safe
1: at all. I hate that. That's the worst. That's right. That's right. Um, by the way, news item, uh, Deonta Foreman, has been claimed off waivers by the Colts. The Colts. I see it. Yeah. What does that do for you for him and for Marlon Mack? Nothing. It really does nothing. I mean,
2: he's he's a new system. He's clearly behind Mac. He's not a pass catcher, so Hines is the third down guy. You know, he probably just fights with Jordan Wilkins
1: for the backup job is what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree with that probably. So, uh, And we'll see. I mean, the, you know, if he really did have bad habits of practice and maybe this is the wake-up call he needs, but chances are it might show up there too.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, you know, who knows? You know, these coaches, it, it's weird. It's like sometimes the coaches are correct that this guy just doesn't know how to work hard or he's not consistent. Or sometimes the guy just has something about him that irritates the coach, and so anything that he does is magnified. You know, I've been in that situation at, like, jobs before. Like, when I was working in uh, federal court, I worked for this—I was interning, and the clerk, who then worked for the judge, was my boss, and he was, like, a total douche. And, like, every second, he was, like, on me for something Mm -hmm. stupid. It was just, like, I just got this—the impression I made somehow was that I, like, was lazy or something. So anything that happened was, like, magnified. Like, so I was always in trouble. I I didn't get fired. I ended up quitting at the end of the summer, but— Fire me? I you can't fire me. I quit. Well, I wasn't even paid, you know. So, yeah. but it was just sort of like it was. You know, in law school, it was like oh, gotta get that on your resume. The right. summer internship with in federal court—such a stupid thing in retrospect. I, I can't even believe I put up with the amount I did. But one time I fell asleep at my desk because I was tired. You know, I was like, I was going to school all day, and then I was doing this stuff. And I was like, I was just tired. You know, maybe I'd been partying, who knows, before. But I fell asleep at my desk. It's like he's all pissed at me. Like, dude, you're not even paying me. Right. I and mean? like, what do you care if I sleep for 10 minutes at the desk if I nodded off? What do you care about that? You know, the guy was just a dick. So sometimes these players, I think, can get into situations where, you know, they maybe they do something that's not right. Like they show up later, they do something that's, you know, not good. But they just get in the doghouse and they can't extricate themselves. So maybe, I don't know if that is work out bad habits will show up on the Colts. It's just that the Colts, unlike the Texans have a guy they're happy with. Yeah, that's they right. Pretend that they're, the Texans pretend they're happy with Lamar Miller, but they can't possibly be.
1: <laughs> Marlon Mack has his own injury history. So, uh,
2: maybe yeah, there's, upside. there's certainly upside for,
1: yeah, there is. All right, moving on uh, a couple more questions and we'll, before we sign off stove, asks, which running back not in the top four has the most realistic path to be RB one this year.
2: Um, I mean, David Johnson. You could easily see it with the massive volume yeah. on a good offense. You can always see Le'Veon Bell because just the volume and his pass catching ability. Melvin Gordon, if he signs and stays healthy, is he's he was on pace for it. You know, last year it'd be as mm-hmm. good as anybody. Gurley, he's obvious because he has been RB one before. Yeah, Gurley <laughs> has been it's just. Dude, uh. Be yourself. Be mostly yourself. The arthritis might just be a, a nagging minor thing. And Henderson just spells him, you know, occasionally. Uh, who else could be a number one? Nick Chubb, I think, could be a number one. Yes. Uh, just the Browns offense could be very good. And if he catches more passes and Duke Johnson is in the doghouse from being unhappy or he gets traded midseason. Other number one. I mean, Damian Williams could have been number one, but this hamstring's an issue, but he gets healthy. Mm hmm becomes the chief's main guy like he's supposed to be and is in the league's best offense I think that's certainly possible um Joe mixon just on a volume st- you know I mean if the bengals offense is surprisingly good dalvin cook you know can three down back get a lot of receptions uh just needs to stay healthy
1: how about someone like outside a non obvious guy like outside the top twenty five I got to look up my uh I'll give you some names like, like neutral ranking. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. That's a good way of doing it.
2: Well, you can give me names, but I'll, I'll just, I have a bunch of guys that are. Really okay.
1: Brad, the Brad Evans pick David Montgomery. What do you think about him?
2: I have him actually in the event of, you know, the opportunity neutral is pretty high, but I guess I could see it. I, the the negative is that Tariq Cohen is so good at what he does mm-hmm. that, you know, how do you, how do you get him off the field on third downs? James Conner definitely could be running back 1. Right? I mean, right. just repeat last year and keep it going for 16 games. Aaron Jones could be running back 1. No right. problem. Uh just the offense is good it be with McCarthy gone and he catches a lot of passes. DeVonta Freeman has been RB1 before. He is the only guy there. He could catch 65-70 passes and score a lot of easy touchdowns on that team.
1: Jalen Samuels is sort of a long shot. Number one. Yeah. I like the long shot Connor. ones just because, you know, we know about like, yeah, they're Jaylen all going Samuels. first. Yeah. And these other guys are all going. Yeah, here's the first a couple first. rounds. Anyhow. Carlos Hyde. Ugh! Yuck. Yuck. I can see it, but yeah, does he
2: not get, cut? not only does he not get cut, but Damon Williams hamstring lingers Hyde. Oh, wow. He seems to be rejuvenated on the chiefs. Look at all that space he has to run.
1: Oh, he's not that slow after all. Right. Yeah, you could see it. I mean, the fact that Damian Williams was as good as he was, and he was a cast off from the Dolphins, illustrates it's the system. It's got to be. You know, the system is great. So if you get the keys to the to the convertible, he might just drive.
2: And I'll give you a couple other ones. Kenyon Drake, so good, but you know, I don't think he'll get the work. But such a good player. Mm-hmm. And then Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette could have 300 carries. Sure. He could have 300 carries and 70 catches. He could just be a workhorse beast. Yeah, And what, and Nick Foles is actually good. You know, Nick Foles, if, if all Jeffrey doesn't drop that pass that gets intercepted, you know, maybe they go to the super bowl again. Maybe they go to the championship game. Maybe they beat the Rams. Yeah. You know, the Eagles, the Eagles were tough last year in the playoffs. I, I think Foles could turn that offense around actually.
1: Yeah, he could. He very could. He could make. I mean, the thing is, he could make it decent. You know, that's all it takes. I mean, and then that it opens everything else up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the question there. Um, let's do one more. Um, let's go, Ted Bell. Why not? Is there anything dumber than a five point kick? And no,
2: hell no, Ted Bell. That guy's off his. That guy's off his rocker. <laughs> First of all, if I don't want to be in a league where I can't draft Justin Tucker. And I got swiped on Justin Tucker in my, uh, Chris list. So I had settled for Greg Zerline, but I love the kickers, man. I, Justin Tucker is the greatest of all time. Like I really want to have that guy on my team. He makes a long kick. I love it. Yeah, I, I want
1: a six-pointer, not a five-pointer. For <laughs> him, I want to get some six-point kicks, some touchdown kicks. guess you won't be touchdowns. accepting advertising from his new Falcon rocket then. I guess not. No, no, I'm not right. accepting.
2: No, hell no. Hell kickers no. are good. Don't go down the Brad Evans road. Did you know he was he, – I, I got to meet him in Vegas. I heard he was in Vegas. Yeah, I heard he was there. Guy. He exists.
1: He's a real person. I didn't know He's, that. He is a good guy, and his name's I thought he was I just know.
2: a bot. I thought he was just a bot. Yeah. Very – uh, programmed a bot just to uh, – you know, just to trigger me into responding.
1: Yeah. Well, usually a pre- he, he tweets, he's, he's good at twitter.com. I enjoy seeing him there. So all good. Um, all right. Thank you everybody for listening to, uh, the RudderWire podcast tomorrow. It's uh, Jake Latarski and Joe Bartell. He's Chris list. I'm Jeff Erickson. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review. And we'll talk to you again soon. This is the story of the one.